I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Des Bishop podcast. We have a super fun episode coming up today because our old friend Joanne McNally is back and she's recently, well, very recently given up booze and she's, she's in a mood and we love it. She's, uh, she's on fire today, I have to say, and we chat about a lot of things. So before I tell you what we chat about, I need to say one thing. We talk a lot about cancer on this episode, um, I'm a cancer survivor, uh, testicular cancer, but uh, Joanne talks a bit about her her own fears that were, uh, I guess, triggered by reading about Sarah Harding from Girls Aloud and her breast cancer diagnosis. So I just want to say, if you're somebody that finds it difficult to listen to conversations about cancer, uh, this is kind of a frank one about cancer fears and also... Uh, you know, lifestyle cancers and the way that sometimes people can almost have uh, less sympathy for uh, the lifestyle cancers. So it's a frank conversation about that. Uh, You know, I also talk a little bit about lung cancer, but I I don't qualify the... Essentially, I lost both my parents to lung cancer. I mean, they certainly both had serious problems with lung cancer. So uh, in case uh, that's not qualified in the chat... Uh, keep that in mind when I talk about it. Uh, beyond that, um, we chat about, we talk a lot about uh, the stress of comedy and medicating it through alcohol. Uh, we talk about weddings at the end, which was meant to be one of our main conversations. We we're going to take the piss out of weddings. But in the end, we ended up chatting about a lot of other stuff. Also, second trigger warning on this episode If you know Joanne, you know that she's been very public about her struggles with anorexia and bulimia. And we do uh, happen upon that in this chat. And Joanne is also very frank about that subject. So if that's a triggering conversation for you, do keep that in mind because that comes up. Uh, She's very funny about it. But also, you know, she's very comfortable talking about it. And perhaps some people don't have the same comfort around that subject, I still think it's really interesting. So, uh, yeah, we get, we, we get into a lot of stuff on this episode. Uh, it's super fun, but you know, Joanne is, she's hot today and I want you guys to be listening to this in the spirit of having a fun chat with your friend. Also one quick technical thing, the delay was so bad on this zoom call with Joanne recording this episode. I've done my best to tidy up all the gaps, but if you hear like what seems to be an awkward pause, nobody's offended. It's just the Zoom call had a terrible delay and 
the call actually dropped out a couple of times and when it returned the delay was different so i couldn't i i couldn't even just like shift everything over a touch on the edit to get it tight so i went through it as much as i possibly could but it's sometimes it's very hard to absolutely nail every gap so if you hear a pause i apologize it was a technical problem don't let it get you down so before we start don't forget patreon.com forward slash dash bishop every monday wednesday friday at 8 a.m new york time normally 1 p.m irish time but this week it's been 12 p.m irish time uh don't forget to subscribe to that we have great chats every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Also, at Des Bishop on Instagram. Don't forget to leave reviews and five stars on iTunes or anywhere else you can leave reviews where you listen to podcasts. Definitely, if you listen on Spotify, do take a screenshot, share it, let people know. Uh, we got great things going on on the podcast. And with that, I'll hand you over to Joanne. Have we nothing to discuss before we start recording now? Uh, like about life? Congratulations on your engagement. Well, come on! That you don't want you don't want that on the record. Well, how how, how is that? Not- we can't spend we cannot we cannot spend another podcast talking about you and Hannah. We've given you and Hannah like about twelve hours of our podcast lives. We need to move on. Joanne, number one, you haven't been on this podcast for a very long time. Number two, I know, but we were we were talking about it back when yeah, I was and I, 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 I and I I ignored it until recent until literally last week when I got engaged. It's not. It's it's is it only. Lo- like it was only it was only announced two weeks ago, but I only talked about it on this podcast for the first time last week. So, <laughs> how so are you feeling? Has, no, no, but what I was saying was, you were saying, do we have anything to discuss before we start? And then you congratulated me on my engagement, as if you don't want to be on the record of congratulating. <laughs> like that—that's that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, well, you—you you, you need to keep your congratulations off the record. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want people to think I condone marriage. It's not very on brand for me, Dad. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm kidding. I can't wait to get married. Uh, well, th- I-, I was thinking that that could be our topic for today. Yeah. Uh, you know, because there's just a lot. And I'm, I'm learning a lot quickly, but also just I have my own thoughts from before I ever thought I was going to get involved in this malarkey. But before we start, yeah. can I just point out that this is, a for me, a momentous day because um, I came to New York this day last year running from the pandemic so a full a, a full year anniversary from my escape from the pandemic you ran to your beach life you bastard left the rest of us here well I'm in the UK now but yeah you're back in the UK you've bounced back and forth mm, yeah I have yeah I mean I bounced it was hardly bouncing I was I was back around for five months it was it was more like a dribble I know I mean it's been one year it's hard to believe I mean I feel like you were you were a part of a lot of my a lot of my story, but the biggest thing that's fucking blowing my mind is I've been in this one fucking house for a year, which for the record is the first time that I've been in one place for a year since I was 13 years old. Yeah. But you look like you're having a really nice, like you've got the beach, you've got all the space, you've had about nine dogs, you fell in love, like you're living some sort of rom-com movie from what I can see. Of course, yeah. From what from what I show on Instagram, it's fucking perfect. Yeah. But Joe, who doesn't show their perfect life on Instagram? <laughs> there's a lot of hours. There's a there's a lot of hours in between Insta stories. I could tell you that. But no, listen, it's been great. I've I've done. I think I've done as well as you can do in terms of trying to enjoy the pandemic. But it's pretty. I just think you know, it's it's wild that you never know how life is going to go. That you 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 go from living a certain way for essentially three quarters of your life to suddenly just being like 
boom, stuck. Yeah. But did you have the attitude of, because I think you're in a nice position in that you've a lot of, you know, you've a good career behind you. You've a bit of money in the bank. You were already kind of dipping your foot back in America a bit more than you have been from what I could tell. And that you got to say, oh, I'm, I'm on a forced sabbatical. Like there's nothing I can do about this. I just have to enjoy it and golf and chill out and walk the beat. Like there's nothing I can do. A hundred percent. I consoled myself with that for quite a bit of it. However, at this stage, uh, that all that has kind of well passed. Yeah. Like I'm just want to get back to, to, to living, not just comedy, but just living, which by the way, I get my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine tomorrow. What? Oh my God. Is that because yeah. you're so old? That's insane. It's it's not because I'm so old. It's because I'm a cancer survivor and they opened it up to people who have had cancer in the past. Oh my God. Hey, now, I have only have one testicle. I feel like it's a lot to sacrifice for an early vaccine, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very happy that it's happened. Did you have to show them? I'll tell you what's... No, I didn't have to whip out my ball. <laughs> How do they know? They prove I could just, it. That's a, I could just rock into take. anywhere and be like, I'm a cancer survivor. You know what I mean? I've got one tit. They're not going to ask me. Well, how, do they, how do you prove it? A hundred percent. Okay, so in the in New York, uh, the, you have to attest online. Now, you can absolutely falsely attest. So you could write on this legal form, I am a breast cancer survivor, lying, uh, and you might get away with it. But the reality is that they can audit you. But I actually thought, but you know, when I first heard about it, I, I contacted my doctor and I was like, oh, will you give me evidence that I have had testicular cancer? But they said, you don't actually need that. You just have to attest. However, they may audit you. They may look for evidence. And when they do, then we'll give you the letter. So, yes, you are right. You could just pretend, but you would be breaking the law. And yeah. I believe that uh, it's a minimum, minimum $10,000 fine and also potential imprisonment. But I got to think that some people are, are taking the risk. 100%. Of course they are. Like if there's no, there's certain things, if people will lie to get like an extra 80 quid a week on the Dell or whatever it is, they're definitely going to lie to get the vaccine. 100%. But you also, you I mean, like, I, I, it's, like I think, it's like those um, goodwill bars. What are they called? What are they called? You know, at, at weddings where they don't, they're not arsed with dealing with money. A trust box where they just trust that you'll put the money in for oh, your yeah. booze. I guess that's what they're trying to run is a giant trust box for cancer survivors. Can I also say that it's terribly petty, but one of the things I like most about getting the vaccine early is I feel like I'm better than a lot of people. Yeah. Why? Because it's like having a superpower. It's like having a superpower. Like I love telling people, I tell you what I really love. And by the way, there's a lot of this is just joking around. Okay. So I don't want anyone to get themselves up in a tizzy, but what I really love is when I tell people I get the, I got the vaccine. I get a lot of people like coming at me hard with an accusation. Like I'm involved in some sort of like scam to get it early. So they're like, how did you get the vaccine? And I was like, I'm a cancer survivor. Oh, I love watching their fucking face drop. Mic drop. I love it. I know. I definitely. I had know. loads of people. I had loads of people on Instagram. Go ahead. I definitely know people who've. Li- I I know someone already who's kind of, you know, lied about stuff to get the vaccine. But isn't it so crazy how you? Okay, I know you're a cancer survivor, but like I have. Fr- me, I know friends friends of mine whose parents are in their nineties in Ireland who haven't even got a call about the vaccine. 
No, it's crazy. But the Irish rollout is, is, is not great. And I have to tell you that I consulted some people before I made the appointment because I thought, why, why are they opening it up to people who have had cancer in the past? Like, I don't really feel like I'm urgent. But then even when I made the application, like I, I actually, I made a phone call. It was like very, it's very hard to get an appointment, but I called this number and actually somehow I got the appointment. But even when I told her that I had had radiation, I then had to do like extra application because apparently if you've had radiation in the past, you're considered immunocompromised. So actually they treated me like I, I had like genuine concerns about my health and it was good that I was getting the vaccine early. So I, I, I didn't want to argue with it, but I did consult some people and say, like, is this morally OK? But they were like, if they've opened it up to you, you have to get it because most important is that everybody gets vaccinated. So don't second guess it. Just do it. Yeah. So when you had radiation, can I, I didn't ask, want to second guess it. Can I ask you a personal question? Mm hmm. What did they do? Did they freeze your eggs? Well, I don't have eggs. Number one. I know. Taz. <laughs> It's I mean, terrible. that's fair. It is, I mean, delay, it, is, but, it is slightly believable uh, that I wouldn't know that. But obviously I know that. Did they speak, did they freeze your sperms? So um, I, I inquired about it because they radiate, they don't radiate your balls, by the way. The, the radiation is to prevent any spread into your lymph nodes, which is, so they radiate your stomach. So I had had a friend who had had testicular cancer before, but he had to get chemo. And before chemo, he uh, made a donation to the sperm bank. But I inquired and said, should I donate sperm? And they said, it's, it's not necessary. You know? Interesting. So, uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, more, there's more stuff I could tell you about that, but I, but I won't. But needless to say, I'm confident that they work. Right. That's all I'll say. Have you seen the whole Sarah Hart and, story? Uh, the girl from um, Little Mix. Not Little Mix. Girls Allowed. No. So she's, Enlighten me. She's, you're, you're great for the gossip, Joanne. I mean, even yesterday when I asked you to do this, you started dumping some great gossip on me on I, WhatsApp. I mean, wasn't that shit crazy? Anyway, whatever about that. So Sarah Harding has breast cancer. Now, this isn't gossip. It's all over the news. So she's been given a very, like she's been given, like the doctor said her last Christmas would probably be her last. It's all very tragic. And obviously these stories kind of perk my interest because she, we're of a similar age and we're both like, childless, single, all that stuff. But she's now saying her biggest regret is not having kids and that even if she survives this, she won't be able to have kids because of what they put into her body to treat her cancer. And now uh, I know, I know I shouldn't make it about me, even though what I have noticed, I want to talk about Twitter as well because I'm so exhausted from it all at the moment. I'm like, everyone just shut the fuck up. Stop giving out the whole time. It's so... <laughs> Go annoying like <laughs> go, go for it go for it Joanne. Go, just shut go, go. the fuck up <laughs> just shut the fuck up like but anyway I, I, listen i agree so focus on this and then we'll get into that which am i which shall i focus on sarah well you 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 said about the breast cancer thing and then and then you were you said i don't mean to focus it on myself and then you went off on a twitter oh yeah complaint. so obviously because everyone makes everything about themselves and it's just human nature i accept that now I'm now freaking out going, oh, oh my. also I am worried because I know she was a bit of a party girl and a bit of a drinker. And they do say that a lot of cancers are kind of, you know, a lifestyle. And I know that they do say alcohol is carcinogenic. Now, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying where my mind went. I'm not like victim blaming Sarah. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm just saying as a woman of a similar age to her, who's also a big boozer and hasn't had any kids. 
I'm looking at her going, oh shit, it's a bit of a wake up call for me. No more than when Jay Goody died, I went and got a smear test. You know what I no, mean? No, listen, I think this is healthy. Listen, I, I, what is unhealthy about you talking about the thoughts that you had in relation to not just the, the tragedy of this woman getting cancer, but also her honesty in expressing her regret? I don't think there's anything wrong with what you're expressing. You know the way people will say, how dare you say it's because she's a drinker? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying where my mind went in the privacy of my own home. I'm not Noel Edmonds who suggests that you get cancer if you've got a bad attitude problem. Do you remember that? <laughs> That was insane. <laughs> well, I actually, I, I had, I had a fucking counselor one time express to me that my testicular cancer was probably as a result of undealt with trauma from my childhood. Really? Like as if somehow my inability to be open with my feelings had left me with a fucking tumor. Well, I do think that stress can cause cancer. I'm like, I'm so scared at the moment of everything well, that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> no, but this guy wasn't just suggesting that stress, I, that, that my testing, first of all, uh, stress is apparently a factor in some cancers, but he was kind of basically saying that my cancer was as a result of undealt with trauma, which is, it, it's a stretch. Yeah. You know, because that's like telling a smoker, oh, it probably wasn't the cigarettes that caused your lung cancer. It was, you know, the fact that you never dealt with the, abuse issues with your parents you know like yeah. it's just it, it, it's like it, it, stress can be a factor in cancer but you know if somebody has lung cancer it's the fucking smoking more often than not like yeah, you know yeah, don't yeah, be silly i feel sorry for people who and this get is not l- controversial i feel sorry for people who got lung cancer because i feel like people don't really feel sorry for them <laughs> so i feel so- people just go up oh, brought it on themselves smoking no, but that's an absolute fact, Joanne. That's not also uncontroversial statement. People have less sympathy for lung cancer patients because it's considered to be self-inflicted, like the lifestyle cancers, you know? So, and actually when I was working with the Irish Cancer Society, they pointed that out to me, that it's very important to get that across, that you shouldn't consider people to have brought it upon themselves, especially my mother's generation who didn't really know what they were getting into, not to mention that they were victims of intense marketing campaigns telling them that they weren't doing anything wrong. But, you but know, think, people, people, have their, people have their opinions. But I think people are so so scared of dying that when someone gets a disease like that they want to make it okay in their own head so they so if there's if they see a cause for it that that person brought on themselves and they'll go with that to kind of make themselves feel better and then if the other people who've got the really scary cancer stories which freak the shit out of everyone they're like you know blah 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 died of cancer never smoked never drank you know never used a microwave yeah used like all that shit vegan and they and they dress them as living this like they're like an oracle they live this perfect life and they're the really scary stories i don't know you frozen again have you? <laughs> yeah it's true never use the microwave another thing that wasn't proven by the way there's there's so many bits of information about what causes cancer that just get in people's heads and like like there's still some people think they're frying their fucking brain when they're on their cell phone oh uh, well, do you remember the whole rumor that went around when veronica gear and died that a whole half her head was black from the radiation of the of the mobile phone because mobile phones were kind of new at the time yeah that was what was going around i mean i i i i, I didn't remember i i didn't remember that that was the the sort of urban myth at the time but i just do remember various bits of information about people's brains being fried by cell phones but do you not think there could be some truth to that why does my head get so hot hmm? why does the phone get so hot <laughs> it is it's like ringing a microwave well, your it's computer like gets hot when it's on your fucking lap 
I don't know. It can't be good. Anyway, whatever. The phone has a bit of heat on it. But anyway, I'm not going to, we're not getting into that. No. We're not getting into that. We're getting, we, we're getting down the fucking, the, the, the tin hat, the tin foil I know. Hat. Next so, up, anyway, like, listen, there's a pedophile you, you, ring you, being you, run you, by Ellen DeGeneres and there's a load of kids in a pizza shop. I wouldn't, I'm not going to go that far. No, I know. Yeah. Because the people in RT are, are, are trying to get the, they're trying to get the, oh my the fluid for their youth. That was so funny. I'm sorry. That was so funny. Yeah. You had some funny posts about it at the time. So funny. Anyway, whatever. What did you post at the time? It was me getting papped and I was like on my way into RT to get my, what is it called? Endochrome injections before Deer and Gary, he sucks it all dry. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that was funny. So, so I'm going to let you have, I'm going to let you have a mini Twitter complaint because we, we feel that the, we, we, the, there's been a lot of uh, Twitter complaints, but what's, what's your is, are you complaining about that because you're afraid to even talk about this situation because of uh, Twitter? Do you know what happened, right? Like, I obviously because I'm a comic, that you're, I always think the crack in my job or the, the foot that I enjoy doing is like poking at things and prodding things and stuff. Like, that's kind of what I like doing. And now that everyone's just so outraged and pissed off all the time, like, I don't really engage with Twitter because I'm like, they just don't understand me over there. There's no context to me. At least with Instagram, they have to come and look for you. Whereas Twitter, you'd end up in the feed of someone who's just going to hate you or, you know what I mean? There's no nuance in Twitter and everyone's like on a spring. They're like on a spring just waiting to come and attack you. Then on Instagram, I did a post about Kendall Jenner because she photoshopped her labia off. Did you see that? I didn't see that, no. So there's a photo of Kendall Jenner looking like an actual doll, like a Barbie doll. She's been photoshopped as shit. Now, I don't know if she did it or who did it, but like, not only does she, she look plastic, but she's got no labia. She's got no vagina. Like, it's just like a Ken doll, right? Now she's, on a, she's wearing bikini bottoms or whatever. But it's, I would think, to use the modern word, problematic, okay? So I did a post saying like, this is a fucking problem. Like, We've gone from designer vaginas to invisible vaginas. Where is this? She look. I said. I said something like she looks like the only way to get into her is one of those pins you get to pop a you know a SIM card holder. It was something like that. Anyway, <laughs> I start getting abused and all like by these women who are like you're body shaming, and then they're throwing the be kind hashtag at me, and I'm like ah here now. You can't throw that. That be kind thing is when someone's being like really cruel to someone like. This is, you can't use the term be kind to shut down any criticism of anything that's ever been said about another human being on the planet Earth. That's fucking outrageous. And also, I said, I'm a comic. Don't come to me for kindness. Go to Marion Keys. Go to Marion. Don't come to me for kindness. Let's just put that, let's establish that right now. Like, go away. Oh, I just wrecked my head. And then saying I'm body shaming her. Me, who was in a fucking asylum for anorexia and bulimia, body shaming her. Anyway, it riled me no end. I've had it up to here with them at the moment. Can I just ask, because clearly you're just joking about one of the most powerful women on the internet, uh, which is which is no excuse for not being kind, but at the same time, it, pointing out, now, do, you, do you know for sure that it's photoshopped? 100%. Like, uh, uh, no one's vagina looks like that. The reason I kind of zoomed in on it is because she's so influential and she's women look up to her and girls look up to her and everything. And... It's so it's like everyone has such a complicated relationship with their body already that you just don't want to get to a stage where a girl's looking at her own vagina being like, oh, why doesn't mine look like Kendall Jenner? And she's trying to saw off her own lips. I don't know. I don't know. That's a dramatic outcome of a photo. But 
I just think these things need to be flagged. It's not a real body. Yeah, and honestly, listen, I, I'm all for the be kind. I've seen incredible abuse of uh, uh, people on the internet. Actually, often people on the internet are being abused by the very people that are trying to carry on like they're the ones that need to tell other people to be kind, right? And, you know, in fact, coming at you is basically the antithesis of be kind. It's all, it's all the same shit, right? Just different versions of the same shit, which is just, you know, vernacular and vitriol online. But at the same time, I think it's fair comment to be like, is anybody else concerned that this might be photoshopped? And this one of yeah. the most watched women on the planet, you know, is possibly sending out false body image, uh, you know, motivation like that. That's fair enough. Exactly. So like it, it's kind of like when when I was younger and we'd all those really thin models and people clapped back at it. it was like, this isn't right. This is incredible. Imagine people have been like, oh, no, stop. Be kind. It's just I think it's. It's not, it's going to cause more problems telling people to be kind. It means they can't speak up about anything when something is clearly just needs to be flagged. Yeah, I mean, but you listen, can Photoshop out her eyeballs for all I care. But the point is, but the let more, us, like, be, let's be clear about what it is. Yeah, and the, but honestly, for you, the more important thing is you made, you made what I would consider to be a fair comment. If people want to come back at you, they're allowed to. It's more important that you're confident about what you're saying. And then you have to, in my opinion, I think you have to try, and none of us are successful at this all the time. You have to try to filter out some of that response because it's just the sort of reflex response. And more often than not, it's people that actually just want to engage with you. And it's just one unfortunately popular way to engage with somebody. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, did, I did speak to Mirren about that before because... We used to have this conversation like when people ask you stuff in your DMs that they could Google. And I was saying, <laughs> yeah, but I... <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing you know what I mean? in advance. <laughs> I think at the moment, like the last week in lockdown, I've been literally sleeping till three in the day. I don't know if I'm just lazy or having some sort of sustained mental breakdown, but I've just had enough of... It's just so... The world just seems so loud at the moment and I've had enough... It's also because I'm not drinking. I think that's why I'm particularly irritable. Yes, that happened to me when I was 18 years old. I was studying for my leave in certain. I decided to stop drinking and I was a miserable fuck, actually. Yeah. I was arguing with Maybe. everybody. I, I, was, I was really, really irritable. And it's, it's quite natural response. I haven't drank for a week and I think like, I'm pretty much ready to chair an AA meeting. I think I'm like... <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You've taken away all your crutches. What if you're actually finding out that this is the real you? <laughs> yeah, what if I'm just an asshole? <laughs> no, I mean, the truth, the truth is that you're, 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 you're hyper aware. You're, you're very critical in, in a good way. This, these are what I consider to be very positive attributes for somebody who's in the world of uh, comedy and commentary. You're hyper aware. You're, you're, you're very critical. You're, 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 you're quick to jump to, a, to um, what would one say, provocative analysis. And uh, I think without the booze, then the, the frustrations are even able to rise more. And I, I think it's yeah. to your power. I, I like this. I like angry Joanne. Yeah. Sober, angry Joanne. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm going to be like you. Rip. I'm going to have to buy a Peloton. <laughs> Let it rip. I have a torn grind. I haven't been able to exercise for six weeks. So actually, I'm a bit like you. I've lost my only fucking remaining drug. And uh, so I, I'm a bit miserable myself. But I bet, I bet you never put on weight, though. I've never seen, like, a chubby Des. Well, I mean... 
I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. However, I am about 12 pounds heavier than I was in the summer. So almost a stone. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I have my I have my winter weight on. I uh, I don't carry my weight in my face. <laughs> you sound like, I, I love the way you said your winter weight. You sound like a middle aged woman. That's amazing. I've got my well, winter I'm a weight man. on me. We're not that we're not. I'm a middle aged <laughs> man. We're not that fucking different. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> but uh, so I, I, I've never as I've gotten older, actually, it's more and more the case that I never put on weight in my face. The problem is that when I lose weight, I fucking lose it from my face. Right. So yeah. uh, I just it never goes on to my head. It does go into my spare tire, though. I've never never really had abs my entire life. I mean, of course, when I look mm -hmm. back at pictures when I'm younger, they resemble almost an ab, maybe like a line down the middle. But my, I've, I've always been quick to put weight on in my uh, in my spare tire. But that's just my body shape. And I've come to accept it. <laughs> You'll be getting your colors done next. Do you know middle aged women go in and get their colors done? What are the, you mean that your hair or there's some other thing? No, you go in and like another middle-aged woman tells you what colors suit you best. Like they'd be like, oh, dad, <laughs> you look great now. Yeah. yeah. My yeah, mom got it done in the 80s. Everyone got it done in the 80s and then they'd have a car, like, like a Julex, like car, like spread out color fold painter, Filofax thing of the colors that the women, whatever woman she'd hired in Marks and Spencer's to tell her this, that these are the only colors she should wear. She goes, I can't wear that. I can only wear mustards, that kind of thing. Oh, right. And that's so funny that you mentioned that because mustard is my worst color. Like when I put on, <laughs> when I put on mustard, my, I just disappear. It's like, I don't exist. Like I'm invisible, just completely <laughs> washed out. You know, I need, I need blues and, and blacks, you know? Yeah. Well, I think you found your color. You've got a straw, you've got, you've got a good look. That's the fucking ring light, Joanne. You know that more than anybody. No, I mean as in like, you know, you've got a style, you stick to it. You've got your one pink hoodie that you've worn every day for a year. And then when you're doing Zoom, yeah, but actually, see, you go into a nautical navy. There's a whole, there's a, there's a whole like missing section of our friendship in that you went off, you did another podcast. You came here saying, we just talk about uh, you and Hannah. I haven't talked about it for months and I haven't worn that fucking pink hoodie for ages as well. You're just way behind on my style, Joanne. Yeah, because you were getting complaints. <laughs> no, people love the pink hoodie. I still get messages telling me to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, look, this anyway, is one of the reasons I know that it's not. I, uh, I know that we're not again. We're not supposed to talk. We're supposed to have inspirational thoughts at all times. And one of those inspirational thoughts, we're not supposed to be bothered about weight gain. And I understand that. But the truth is, it does bother me. And it's one of the reasons I was like, I have to give up the booze because I was literally just building a jacket of red wine around me. Like I was wearing like a puffer jacket of Merlot and I'd like a, ga a, ga a um, gout face, like a baby bell from all the red wine. And I was like, something has to get, I can't get into a single pair of my jeans. That's no exaggeration. I am in uh, like pajama style, stretchy pants at all times. Like I had a friend, we went for a walk in the park recently. I was like, I'll throw on a pair of jeans, like give it a sense of occasion. Not a fucking hope. Not a hope. I had to be wheeled out of the place you're in like, a black tracksuit. You're, you're like a red wine cactus. You're just fucking storing that shit in there. That's why you've gone all prickly. <laughs> it's a bastard of a thing. Sugar, it's the sugar and wine. That's the real virus. If I, when I become a millionaire, if that ever happens, I'm going to put all my money into researching a delicious sugar-free red wine. Fuck the well, cancer. Can, you can put your money into that. I'm going to put my money into a sugar-free red wine. <laughs> 
I, I can tell you that like I've worn tracksuit bottoms essentially the entire pandemic. And recently, I can't remember what it was, but I had to put on a pair of trousers. And none of my fucking trousers fit me. I like literally they're all tight. I mean, I got them on, but like they're they all fit me uncomfortably now after a year of the mm-hmm. pandemic. I mean, I had yeah. I had worn them a little bit in the summer, but in the summer I, I had like nothing on me. But now I have to say, I, I, I put one on the other night and uh I really had to squeeze the fucking button. Oh my god. Yeah. Now let me well, let me I ask you one my... serious oh go ahead. You say that and then I want to ask you a serious question. I was just going to say, like, my baggy, the baggiest pair of jeans I had, I did get them closed after a lot of moving around and wiggling around. But I was like, I can only wear these if I just stand. Like, I wouldn't be able to sit down on a bench or anything. So I was like, right, I'm just going to have to park it. Okay, serious question. I want, I want a serious question. This is one serious question. We don't have to get very serious, but I know you're very open about this. So mm-hmm. with everything you've been through and you've been very open about it and you've educated me a lot on, you know, eating disorders and body image issues, like how how healthy is this conversation and what are you told in the you know like in terms of looking after yourself about how much you can indulge in this and how much you have to watch yourself well like compared to so i'm actually grand like i still have a therapist and all that stuff and i take all my medication which takes about half an hour in the morning <laughs> but <laughs> it's like nine do you have a pill do you have a pill box I'm like, how many calories are in a cod liver oil? That's when you know you're really fucked. <laughs> oh, <fucking God>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not at that space anymore. <laughs> but I do at the same time, I know that like, there's no point. Like, I'm not one of these people who's like, I'm happy at any size. I'm not. I have a particular size that I'm happy at. If I go over that, I no longer have a panic attack. I'm not going to end up back in a straitjacket, but I do need to manage it so I don't get to a point where there's no coming back for me and next thing I'm fucking p- getting sick again. Do you know what I mean? So I do need to yeah. manage it. But and I, also, I also, th- I also th- well, sorry, go ahead. I don't freak out. If I'm half a stone up, half a stone down, that's grand, whatever, normal. But if I'm a stone up and nothing fits, I'm going to moan about that. I'm going to give out about it. Which is, well, I, I, the, my layman's assumption is that that's fine because Either it's fine or I also have body image issues because I get fucking bent out of shape. Yeah, we all way. do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm assuming that's normal. And can I also add, uh, I think it's never a bad thing to be like, I need to go easy on the wine if it's motivated by body image issues or just general health. You know, it's just a good idea to just take a step back every now and then. Totally. I'm reading a lot of um, Jason Vale. I'm not familiar. <laughs> So I was always a drinker, as we all know. Well, I wasn't actually. I wasn't really a drinker in my in my twenties, but I was a, a drinker in my thirties because when I started getting into comedy, it's so built around alcohol and all that stuff. And then you're kind of my thing was regulating my feelings, the, the three that I have left off the back of all the medication, but I do have some feelings left, and so like regulating that. So nervous before a show, have a drink adrenaline after a show have a drink I do not understand and I know I'll get there because I know what I'm I kind of know what I'm like and I'd say I'll end up just giving it up completely at some stage and I'll become spiritual or whatever I don't know whatever's on the other side of this what's on the other side just a peloton and a marriage I'd take that yeah or like a yoga instructor and just being really annoying maybe something like that but I do not, I cannot get my little piss head brain around the fact that someone would come off stage and just go and go to bed. How do you release the adrenaline? I don't understand. Like Simon O'Keefe 
who he helps me write jokes sometimes. We work together. I really like him. And uh, he just comes off stage, just all right, night, has a pint of Bally Gown, goes to bed like a freak. Can't understand it. Like, yeah, but that's what I've done the majority of the, the later years of my career. Just go to bed. I, 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 I fell asleep like at the, at the <laughs> interval one time for one of my shows backstage. <laughs> I will say what I, I will what I will say is that I think at, at at times where I'm at my best, more sort of disciplined self, it's actually quite good to take in uh, to take in the feeling of you know intensity, uh, you know to actually experience it. You know, it's like it's actually quite good to to feel it. Yes, that's what they always say in therapy, isn't it? Feel your feelings. Feel your feel. I just get overexcited. I get excited. Yeah, but so do I. So do I. And actually, a therapist said to me one time, "You need to stop taking that excitement, the adrenaline. You know, everything's pumping. The ego's high. You need to stop taking that and sort of giving it away too quickly." He actually suggested to me, and I did it for a while. I used to take like fifteen minutes before I interacted with anybody, just to really experience what was going on inside my body, and then went oh. out. You know, just just to kind of stop sort of always having to externalize what's going on for me, always having to because in a way you, you, you can you can lose it or people can take it from you or, you know, life can happen and you can sort of like never really feel it, you know, and it's quite yeah. intense. Yeah, like it's not that I drink in the van. I would just leave and I'd come home and then I'd have a glass of red. Like, I don't know how else to do it. I was like, maybe you should start smoking weed. I just don't really like smoking weed. It's just not really my vibe. Yeah. I mean, you know, you'll 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 figure it out. I think there's two people, two types of people in comedy. Now, obviously, I'm being very reductive here, but from what I can tell, there's the kind of teetotalers who are ve- like who've probably had addiction issues at some stage, and now they just don't drink at all. Right. Or there's the people with pretty serious addiction issues who are like maybe keeping it at bay, or aren't keeping it at bay. You know. There's, it always seems to be one or the other. I haven't met a comic yet who has two pints and goes home. They're either don't drink at all or they're off trying to find heroin at 6 a.m. That's my experience. <laughs> so what are you? I don't know. I, I think because I still feel, <laughs> I still think because I still feel quite, I'm definitely one of the drinking comics, but I'm also, because I'm, not to say that they're not ambitious, but I'm very aware of, like, I'm very thirsty and hungry for a career. So I'm, you know, I, I feel a lot of guilt around it because I do feel it's probably eating into my productivity. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And I wonder one day, will I just sack it off completely and become one of you? In Chino's on the beach in the Hamptons, probably. I was never the other guy doing comedy. But, you know, I mean, I, of course you're being reductive and of course that I can give plenty of examples of fairly normal drinkers. But I do think that there's... We have a high percentage of people who either have a problem or used to have a problem in our in our industry. I was actually watching uh, Demi Lovato. I'm dying for this trailer to come out, or the documentary to come out. Oh, yeah. She talked about her own struggles. Yeah. So she went, she had like two strokes, went blind, like the whole kit and caboodle. She overdosed one night. She was always kind of keeping it at bay. She overdosed one night. Apparently the drug dealer sexually assaulted her. Then she passed out. She woke up. She'd had a couple of strokes. She was visually impaired. I mean, we're talking. She really hit, like, what? really hit a low. And um, kind of has built her way back up now. But what she says, and I suppose it's kind of controversial in the uh, recovery world, is that she said that just blanket, no, no substances at all just wasn't working for her because it was like, she just always... She just always ended up spiraling again. She wasn't at that place that you're at where you just have no interest in it. She was at she was in the place where she thought she was being she was denying herself something all the time. And then she would crack. And then the longer she hadn't been doing it, the bigger the crack. And the more manic it was. So now she drinks occasionally. And I don't know, she didn't say about drugs. I don't know what her stance on that is. But like she she has glasses of red wine. And then the doc the trailer kind of zoomed in Elton John with the big glasses because he's her mentor saying that he doesn't agree with that and that you can't do that. Uh-huh. You're playing with fire, basically. I mean, I would agree that it, it comes with risks. I, I'm I'm not an absolutist like I once was. I mean, I have chosen the path of not taking that risk. But I'm not an absolutist like I once was, and I think it's different strokes for different folks. Uh, my only problem is, well, really, my problem even with promoting total abstinence, which I have done publicly, I, I admit, or promoting this sense of like the Alistair Campbell kind of, you know, he, I think he was in documentary saying he has the odd class one, like, uh, or no, actually, it wasn't Alistair Campbell. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But there was somebody that that, that was openly sober before and then now was having a glass of wine. And he said it in a documentary. I apologize if I, I misnamed them. Either way, I think the problem with promoting it is that it's personal to you and it can affect somebody in a negative way because they could try it and, and and have a bad result either way. Yeah. So that was that was actually the one of the main tenets of the anonymous part of like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, was that sense of attraction rather than promotion. I feel over the years that's faded as more and more celebrity has kind of become public about their their sobriety and otherwise. So you do you do have the risk that comes with that promotion, but at the same time you know, it might help somebody. So it's very hard to know what the right thing is. I really hope it works out for her. I haven't seen it yet, but, you know, I know that different people have had different success. And, you know, honestly, all the methods really end up with similar success rates. You know, all the different things that people try, they all claim that, like, that's the way. But if you look at the stats, you know, with varying different degrees of percentages, you end up with, I think, like, sort of 20 to 30% success rate amongst the people that try. Really? Now that's, don't quote me on that because I, I've just thrown out a number, but let's just say. Sure, I'm always that, making up statistics and all. No, I know, but let me let me just be a bit fairer. I, the, the success rates are commonly below 50% with all these different methods. And, and I think what's 
what's becoming more popular now, which I think is good, is people being open to trying various things so that the people can find the thing that works for them rather than being told that this is the way. And if you don't do this, then you're not going to succeed. And the hope then would be that the success rates will increase because people will actually be doing the thing that suits them best. Do you know DJ Fat Tony? Just by reputation, but is he, is he kind of, wasn't that like a thing of like 10, 15 years ago? Or, He's very funny. I'm not hundred percent sure. He's a great man for a meme. Very funny memes. Anyway, he has a podcast interviewing celebrities about recovery. It's actually really, it's really cool. The one with Lily Allen was like fascinating. Oh, right. Yeah. God, I wish I was well known enough in the UK to get on that. Is he American or is he English? English. All right. He said he didn't drink water for 16 years. I don't know if that's true or was he was grossly exaggerating. <laughs> I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Says he never you know, and water. it's like, listen, people are very public. I've been public. Russell Brand is public. People, people have their things. And then, what is it? Johan Harry is that the guy that went you know, talking about it? So I, you know, we'll see. But we'll I see. think the the, cult, with uh, the way the things are at the moment and podcasts and all that. Like back in the day, you just get on stage, you do your thing, you go home. No one wanted to hear from you. Any, you know what I mean? Now you end up just kind of exposing all your deepest darkest secrets because you're doing another fucking podcast. <laughs> It's it's true. It's talk, actually fucking true. We talk so much about ourselves. Like I got to a point during the first lockdown, I was like, I can't listen to my own voice. I cannot hear myself talk about myself anymore. I mean, that passed, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that fucking dead right. Let, don't let don't let that sink in. That'll that'll ruin you. <laughs> yeah, but then some people are very private, like and they don't like Neil Delamere, for example. I wouldn't say anyone outside of no one knows anything about his life. Yeah, Killian Murphy is very private. Some people are private, and and you know what each to their own like you don't have to you don't have to do that stuff and you know you also even if you have a podcast don't have to like give up parts of your life but each to their own i i don't care i find it interesting to share parts of my experience have people share their experience back to me and i guess it's actually just like i got trained from actually going to meetings is like you open up and you share and then somebody gets something out of it. Sometimes they have had the experience. They share something that helps you. Sometimes your experience helps them. Either way, it's kind of like, you know, knowledge is power. You're getting the information out there. I understand that when it comes to like podcasting, there's elements of, you know, ego and the desire for notoriety that motivates it. But, you know, in terms of the type of stuff that we're talking about right now, I consider that kind of health. You know, yeah, I had the same so thing I. with Dermot, you know, like it's healthy to be public about it because now all these mental health conversations are very out in the open, you know? Yeah. But, but I do think on the flip side is that there may be times where you feel like you've given away too much of yourself and you can't remember what's really you and what's the performative you. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Especially the, with the We and Weirin podcast, we did a live and it was two hours long. And when I went through the edit, I was like, cut that. Cut. I was giving out home addresses of lads I'd slept with. I was like, Joanne, like I've no boundaries, but I was like, you're going to have to rein yeah, that especially shit Especially when you're live. Well, especially when you're live. Now, my opinion on the live podcast is that the live podcast should just be a live performance and it should never go up as a pod because it's a very different thing. It's often live podcasts that get people in trouble. I totally agree. And I actually, now this was a live with a difference because we muted the audience. So... 
it's different. I don't listen because it's too, it would be carnage. There was like eight hundred people on a Zoom. You couldn't have them. You'd have to. You had to just do oh, a, a, right, 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 right. A blanket mute. But I actually don't like listening to podcasts when they're live from the theater in West Ham. I yeah. don't like that because I think the, the reason I like podcasts is because it's so intimate. You're listening to mm. them like you're, it's like you're listening to a private conversation that you're included in. Whereas when they go, when they do their lives, you don't feel like it's about you. It's you're not involved. It's about the audience. They play to the audience that are there. Yeah, hundred percent. And it ruins the interview in a way. Well, sometimes you get something better out of the interview, but more often than not, I think you get something less because it's very much about going for laughs, and you know, the, it's harder to really like delve into stuff because you feel the pressure of the people that are there. Whereas me and you right now, we're just having a conversation. Yeah, literally. Totally. And I know that you don't edit anything. Which, you know, by the way, by the way, this classic Joanne McNally moment here. Yesterday on the WhatsApp, you were like, can we pick a topic? We need a fucking topic to prepare. Yeah. Uh, I told let's take the piss out of weddings. And we never fucking talked about them. No. (laughs) But let's just quickly, because I I have to go now in a few minutes, but let's just quickly, quickly. Do you know what you're going to do? Or is that a private convo? No, actually, well, Hannah was quite public about it. But the funny thing is that so we got very, very quickly, we were into, let's do it this summer. During the pandemic, it'll keep the numbers down. And she had, I'm not going to say where or what, but she had what I would consider to be access to an idyllic venue. I mean, this venue was fucking perfect. In fact, the first time I saw it, which was well before I ever thought I would be engaged, was just on a walk. She told me she had a connection to this place. And I said, that would be a fucking amazing place for a wedding. Like, it really was an idyllic place. Yeah. And uh, we had access to it. However, it was pulled from us literally just the other day. And as a result of the simplicity of having access to that venue, we have now pulled away from trying to do it this summer. But we were actually honestly full steam ahead. And she she bought a, um, you know, she bought, a, a, she has a wedding dress already and everything. So it was all very like full steam ahead. And I was totally with it. But now that that fell through, I'm also totally with just like taking a breather and having a bit of time. Because what was great about that was, even though there was some planning because it would have been, we had to get the tent and all that. It still just felt like less pressure because you're not like tied into like uh, some, some fucking wedding venue. But at the same time, uh, now that it's gone, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm very fine with that too. So that's a bit of, that's actually a bit of tea. You're rolling with the wedding punches as it were. Yeah. But I have very strong opinions and luckily Han is the same. Like I, I'm very anti, the wedding industry. Like, I think the whole thing is a fucking scam. Mm. I think, what do you think? Ol- I think the older you get, like, I, I honestly think at this stage, if like we're mid thirties now, that if someone was put, like, I would just, I would just throw myself, I would just get married in a fucking wood, like strap my, do one of those pagan things, like throw a ribbon around my arm and a tree and I'm done. I wouldn't be, big weddings when you're in your thirties, it's a bit mad. Like, I understand it when you're young and you think that this is the biggest occasion in everyone's lives. But as you get older, dude, like, I'm not going to Lisbon for your wedding. You know what I mean? Like. (laughs) (laughs) And especially as someone who isn't married, like, you know, my generosity has kind of run out now. I'm like, just throw it away. Just throw it away. Just get married real quick in a bin. Just fucking do it. I'll throw you a hundred quid on, on Monzo or Revolution or whatever you're on and let's all move on with their lives. <laughs> I, I'm partially with you, you know? Yeah. I'm partially with you. 
I tell you what, though, it's not the general consensus because certainly within my family, there was a fierce excitement for a wedding. You know, like I kind of like I would be very happy to fucking jump over to the courthouse and get it done, you know. But uh, yeah. I was actually surprised how many people were like immediately wanting to know like how they can get prepared for this for this event. But luckily, we're sort of in that interim thing where we'll probably have a nice occasion. But, you know, my parents are dead anyway. So, I mean, I talked about it last week on the pod, but like it does take takes a little bit of the of the fun off. Yeah. It. And I'm very much before I met Hannah, even I'm very much in your camp in the like you get older and it's just I don't know, it just feels a bit, you know, I just not into it. That's the truth. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 down with you. However, you know, a small destination wedding, you know, if it's like the right crew, I'm also down with that. Like Christina How- had an amazing wedding in France and we had the fucking best time. So it's more like the idea of it often is off putting. When you go there, it can be a bit of crack. But hundred you know, percent. Definitely my initial reaction is very much in my initial reaction is in line with you. Yeah, and I know, like, as we all know, I'm the queen of contradiction. So, like, I, you know, cut to next month, I could be swinging out of a wedding in Lisbon, having the time of my life. I just, it kind of gets my back up a little bit when people at our stage, and I'm being very generous there, including you in my stage, but people in our stage put on these massive weddings. I've been, I've seen too much. The first wedding, if it, it seems a lot. I mean, it's a judgment. And, you know, uh, normally if somebody's getting married at my age, it's the fucking second wedding. So uh, I always feel like the second wedding tends to be more of a more of a low key affair. But here's my other problem. I'll just throw this out before you go, because I know you have to go. So right, very early on, we're doing this bit of planning. And like Hannah says, like, let's just inquire about wedding planners right now. So we have this venue. So we just need to get a tent, some fucking port to lose. And like we're in the fucking entertainment industry. It's not the first time I've been involved in an event, right? So we call this fucking wedding planner. She's like, oh, you, you don't even have enough time. You know? And then it was like, how much do you charge? And she was like, this much money just to get this. This is impossible. You know, you can't organize a wedding in this time. And I was like, okay. I wasn't on the call, but I wanted to be like, all right, let's call somebody else and say, we're having a party and see their fucking reaction. Because I promise you, if you tell them we're having a fucking party in our fucking back garden, they're going to be like, yeah, you get a fucking tent, you get a fucking barbecue and happy days. You put the fucking wedding on it and they're like, oh, fucking 15 grand before I answer the fucking phone. I know. It's a scam. I know, I know, I know. Just put, get a pinata, hang it out the front of the house. <laughs> like the neighbors come back, like they'll just no, whack I'm- it. Like just low key, low key. That's what I would do. A pinata. And the I thing is do. that you get you get into the fucking you get to the flowers and then everyone's like, you gotta get a videographer. And I get it, the photographer, the videographer, it's all important, but it's all a fucking scam. The charges are fucking humongous. I know. You know, the charges are humongous. There's fucking eleven year olds on TikTok putting up these fucking incredible videos. And now I gotta pay some fucking thirty five year old who gave up on his dreams to fucking film my wedding. Fuck you. No, that's a judgment. Thank you. Welcome to the party. <laughs> I'm just, I'm joking. If there's any, I'm so angry. I'm just so pissed off at the moment. I'm just so worked up. I need a Xanax. If there's any, if there's any wedding photographers, I'm just kidding. This is just a bit of comedy. I think you guys are great. If you want to photograph my wedding for free, Hannah will give you loads of Instagram posts. So don't take this personally. Uh, We're just kidding around. But at the heart of it, I, I think there's, there's, you know, like, suddenly everyone's like, oh, you have to get the flowers. And it's like, how many good nights have you had where you have 20 friends over in your fucking back garden? How much better yeah. is all this other nonsense going to make this day? 
a lot of the time it is for parents and family and stuff. Like there is a lot of pressure from them, you know, because they're like, well, hold on. I've been to all these people's weddings and I get, I owe them a wedding back and rah, rah, rah. Yeah, there is. There is a lot. There's a lot of politics and it. it's fascinating. I'm yeah. glad to I'm glad to have an early insight into it. But I think the real complications um, are yet to come. But I, I, I just want to say thank you, Joanne, for coming to do the pod at short notice. You know, it felt like it felt like old times. You're welcome. Why did a guest drop out? What was I plan D? No, actually, a guest didn't drop out. I just, you know, because I've started to, I do them on my own sometimes. And, you know, that can be great sometimes. Other times it's like a bit of a, you know, other times like I'm not that inspired. But the problem is that because you get in the habit of just like, if you get a good guest, great. And if not, I do it on my own. Sometimes I kind of forget that to have good guests, you have to do proper planning so suddenly you know the week the weeks just get quick i'm sure you found that when you were doing it with Mirren. it's like oh fuck is it is it that day again already where I you know. have to like come up you know so i it just because it was such an exciting time two weeks and i had ashley from girls gotta eat so big podcast over here then i had hannah also a big podcast i just suddenly kind of like this week caught up with me and i was like oh fuck it doesn't matter how much fun the last two weeks were. You got to get it going again, you know? I know. I do find them like, an, I mean, whatever. It's a boring conversation for anyone not involved in, in pod world. But like, they, that's why I was like, I can't do two a week. I'm too lazy. Like, I don't, I don't have the, I don't have that many thoughts. No, I know. But the thing is, I'm doing three Patreons a week. I'm doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the morning, eight o'clock, uh, talking on my own. But I have great. I have great subscribers that like drive the whole conversation with comments and it's good fun, but you know, you have to, you have to talk about stuff, but it is a good discipline because you have to sort of take the news of the, of the last two days and, and have a conversation about it. But the comments do help, you know? And, and when you think about it, I know this is, we're getting very technical, but when you think about it, so much of actual radio is driven by texts and stuff. And in a way I feel like podcasts would be helped a lot by people live texting in by what we're saying, but we don't have that, you know? Yeah. All right, listen, I better anyway, leg it. It was, I got my, it was a pleasure. I got my, you got to leg it. You got to leg it. And I got my message to remind me that my vaccine appointment is tomorrow. So it's all very exciting. Woo! Now, um, the only thing you. I don't I'll, think you've I'll, ever I'll, been described as vulnerable before, Taz. You're in the vulnerable category now. Yeah, I'm, I, I am a vulnerable group. I have a comorbidity. Yeah. Actually so thanks very much, guys. Fun app. Spread the word. I'm off. Literally, it's Friday morning now. Recorded that yesterday with Joanne, 721, Friday morning. I am off in a half an hour to drive to Westchester to get my second dose of the vaccine. I will let you know on Instagram on Saturday if I had that strong reaction that people are getting after the second dose, but I won't mind. Um, We will be back next week and do send me some suggestions on what you'd like to talk about, uh, what you feel that has been uh, missing. I'm still talking to the Shite Talk History guys about doing uh, doing like a history episode, uh, but we keep kind of procrastinating, particularly me. Uh, but I didn't expect to get <clears throat> engaged in the meantime after, well, not that I didn't expect it, but I started beginning sort of doing a bit of work with these guys and then I got engaged. They're busy too. We're actually living in three different locations. So I'm saying this out loud to manifest it. Uh that myself and the Shy Talk History guys are going to do an experimental episode about Irish history. So that's coming up. Um, anything else, let me know. 
that's it really. I'm kind of like, I can't concentrate now because I'm like stressing out. I want to get this up before I leave to get my vaccine. It's all very exciting. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Five stars on iTunes. Leave a review. Don't forget about Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Dad's Chef. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.